This Torah class is brought to you by TorahAnytime.com. Okay, good evening everyone. Sorry for the late hour, I just came from the ranch and it just took me a little longer to get home than I thought it would. Baruch Hashem, it's an amazing place to visit. It's an amazing place to visit. Right, it's an amazing place to visit. Girls are doing, girls are doing amazing, the horses are doing amazing. Baruch Hashem, everyone's doing amazing. It's very big chizik for me to go up there. Anyway, one of these, you don't want to go, it's freezing now. In the summer, Mitzvah All right. So tonight, we're going to talk about a subject that's very, very important. That's always very important. Before we start, again, um, on the on the book, we're getting there. We're getting there. Um, we have 52 pages left. It's not that much. Out of, out of 360, that's not a lot. So um, we have 52 pages left. And uh, we can finish it up this week if people would call. Um, so let me give you, let me, I'm prepared this week. Let me give you the number, Hakar Satov number, which takes care of our Kibbutz of Aim book. It's 917, for all those who are writing it down, 917-444-7555. 917-444-7555. Hakar Satov, leave a message, we'll call you back. Or call Ornava, O-H-R-N-A-A-V. Um, 718-O-H-R-N-A-A-V. Call Ornava, we'll pick up the phone. We also have the Shabbaton. There's a bunch of schools. Montreal's coming. They're coming from all over the place. I don't want the Brooklyn girls to call and say there's no room for you. So uh, we don't have that many rooms in this hotel. It's not like last year. So don't wait till the last three days. What do you mean I can't? What do you mean you don't have room, Evan Wallace? Please, please, okay? So uh, we don't want you sleeping out in the cold. It's up in the mountains. You can go skiing before you come to the Shabbaton if you want. Um, so that would be, that would be just the Arnava, O-H-R, 718-O-H-R-N-A-A-V. Um, you're all invited. It's amazing, amazing Shabbaton. It's going to be really amazing. We have music, we have speeches, we have food, we have everything. Hashem. And it's up in the mountains. You get out of the city. You can relax. You can go for a walk. There'll probably be snow February 28th. It's February 28th. Before Purim. Mirza Hashem. Alright. So this is what we're going to talk about. And this is something that everybody deals with. And that is, you want something, you need something, you dive for something, and it doesn't seem to be happening. So like, with Hashem? Like, why don't you answer me? Like, I'm doing what I'm supposed to. I'm a good girl. I'm davening. I'm saying Shere Shirem. I'm, I'm doing everything I'm supposed to be doing. And it's not happening. What's taking so long? Why isn't it happening? So this is this week's parasha. This week's parsha, uh, the end of last week's parsha, going into this week's parsha. So what happens? I'll just prepare you a little bit for this year. So um, Moshe Rabbeinu does not want to go down to Klai Yisrael. Rashi says because they spoke Lashon Hara on him, and he didn't know that they deserved to be redeemed because Lashon Hara was such a big avera. Um, so Rashi says he said to Hashem, they spoke Lashon Hara. Why, why are we redeeming them? But he couldn't speak. He couldn't talk. He had a lisp. They're not going to listen to him. The whole Pasha Shmos, they're going to say Hashem never came to him. He made it up. He didn't go through their pain. He was the prince of Egypt. Then he lived in Midian. A hundred different reasons why he didn't want to go. And Hashem said, you're going anyway, even though you don't want to go. Because you're going to take Klyasrol out. Okay, so I guess he got a little bit excited. And the end, the end of the deal is that I'm going to be the... Not that he'd be the leader. He didn't care for that. He wanted I don't want to be the leader. But but uh, at least Klyasrol, he loved Klyasrol. He loved the Jewish nation. And, and at least they'll be able to go out. So he was very, a little bit excited, I guess, about going and doing this. Um, 
And then he goes to Mitzrayim and he tells Paro, and Paro says, Oh, who's Hashem? We're going to see a very interesting medrash tonight. Uh, who's Hashem? I never heard of him. What does he ever do? When was he born? How old is he? Does he make money? What does he do for a living? Like, I never heard of this guy, Hashem. Which, um, yeah, I've heard that lately also, where people are like, who's Hashem? Like, I'm an atheist. I don't believe in him. Where is he? Where is he from? So this is not something new. There's nothing new. Everything we're going through, we went through already. There's nothing new. Anyway, so he comes and he says to Paro, send out my people. And Paro says, I don't know you. I don't know your God. I'm not sending no one out. You're a bunch of lazy bums. You just don't want to work. There's no God. There's no going out to serve a God. You guys just don't want to work. You, tra- you, you came here to get them free from work. I'm not letting them go. Nirpim, hey, nirpim. They're lazy people. So now I'm going to do something worse. I'm going to make them cut their own. They used to make, they used to make bricks. So the Mitzrayim would give them straw. And I don't know how they make, how you make bricks exactly from straw, but they would take these bricks and they would make, and they, and they would take the straw and they would make bricks. Now, Paro said, I'll teach you guys a lesson. You want to be lazy. I'm not supplying you with the raw material. You got to go cut your own. You got to go cut your own tether. Now, he was a very big genius in breaking, like the Nazis, in breaking people's spirits. Well, he did a couple of things. First of all, he built a piece of a Ramsey building and then it sunk into the ground. So a person, even a slave, if you make him work and he builds something, at least at the end of the day, he looks at, wow, I built that. But the Jews had, it just went into the quicksand. So it broke their, it broke their spirit. Also, he gave the men, interesting, because sometimes women tell their husbands, you think you work hard? You think you work hard? Try to take care of the kids for a day. The guy's like, well, take the, you think you work hard? You work, this not exactly a good Sean Bias house, but you think you work hard? Come to work, to my office for a day. So the, the wife's like, okay, deal. We're switching tomorrow. You take care of the kids. And I'll come to the office. Disaster. She works in the office, no problem. But him and the kids, forget about it. So like half a day he's calling her, come back home, I can't do this. Because men don't multitask. We can't multitask. We do one thing at a time. So so the, so what they did was the Mitzrayim gave the men women's jobs and the women's men's jobs. That's what it says. Over here, they, Power wanted to make, why did he go to, why did he change to the straw? His objective was they're lazy. I'm going to make them work harder. So you want to make them work harder, so then just um, give them more work to do. Why, do you, why, why are you changing it to the straw? Why are you doing that? The answer was that the Jews didn't know where the straw was. They didn't know how to cut straw. They knew how to make bricks and, and build buildings. So he wanted to give them a job that they didn't know how to do. So that would break them. So that's what he did. So Moshe Abeno's like, I don't understand. Many of us have this question. I don't understand. I did what you told me to do. I didn't want to do it. I didn't want to go. I told you Paro's not going to listen to me. I told you the Jews are not going to listen to me. You know what, Hashem? You talked me into it. So I did it. And the whole thing backfired. It didn't get better. You didn't take out the Jews. Now it's a little chutzpah You don't talk to Hashem like that? Like it didn't get better? Like, hello? What's wrong, Hashem? What's going on? We're going to see what happens because of that. He gets punished. So, he comes out of Paro's um, palace, and the Jews are now Nebuch, having to Tevin Lein Lechem. They didn't give them um, hay, uh, straw, so now the Jews are working hard, and now they're looking to get revenge on Moshe. Like, who asked you to come here? You weren't in Mitzrayim with us. 
you show up, you're like, I'm going to save you, God sent me, and you should make things worse, get out of here. So Yifku is Moshe, as Aaron, he tells them cross them. They attacked Moshe Rabbeinu and Aaron, who was standing there. But say some base power when they came out of, of Paro's castle. But Yom and the Jews threatened Moshe, and they said, Yera Hashem Eleichem, Hashem sees what you just did, and he's going to judge Hashem, you broke our spirits. Be'ene Paro, in the eyes of Paro, Be'ene Avadav, and by his servants. You messed us up. You gave them a sword to kill us. You gave them an excuse to kill us. Now they say we're lazy, and they're going to break us till we die. So Moshe Ben was like, I came here to make things better. I knew this was going to happen. I told you, Hashem, they're going to say that you didn't send me. That I made, I, I, I called it. I, I called it right. Why did you make it worse? Why did you send me? Hashem, I don't understand. Why did you send me? And since I came to Paro Ladaba Mishmecha, I spoke in your name, Heralamaze, made it worse. And you didn't say, you didn't do anything, Hashem. You didn't save anybody. So it sounds a little bit chutzpahdik. Right? Luth. You don't talk to Hashem like that. Like, what'd you do? You made it worse. You didn't save anybody. Right? That's how Moshe Rabbeinu spoke. So how come Hashem didn't kill him for that? And the Torah says, the med- So the Medrash says, those last words saved him. You didn't, Hashem, I came here to save Klai Yisrael. You didn't save Klai Yisrael. That's what I'm complaining about. Not for me. Don't care about me. He didn't say, Lama Haresa Li. Why did you make it bad for me? Now everybody hates me. Everybody, everyone wants to kill me. He didn't say to Hashem, you messed me up. You sent me on a mission and you made me look stupid. He didn't say that. He said, Lama Haresa Lama Zeh. Why did you make it bad for them? It wasn't about him. And you didn't save your nation. Well, Shabbat didn't say, Hashem, I, I beg you not to come. Look what you did. You made me look bad. No one's listening to me. He didn't say that. He said it was all about Klai Yisrael. You're not patient. You don't have the emunah you're supposed to have. I didn't give it a time. I said I'm going to save Klaistral. You got to be patient until that happens. You got to trust Hashem. There is an amazing story in the Gemara this week in Dafyaimi. An amazing story. I started Dafyaimi because it was very, I went to the Siam and I was very, I was, it was the biggest chizik for Rabbi Wallstein that I could have because all day long I deal with Klaistral's problems. And if you deal with you deal with problems all day, you think everyone's off the derech. Whoever you look at, oh, they're off the derech. Because never an oncologist who sees people with cancer, so all day long, and when he, well, that's all he sees is cancer. So when he goes out in the normal world, he sees cancer. Everyone has cancer. So, so I deal with this all the time. And I'm like, you know, the Yitzhahara, the Yitzhahara is really winning this war. Kids are being with Shabbos. Kids don't have kibbutz of the aim. Shalom bias is falling apart. Crisis, crisis, shit of crisis, children crisis, off the dirt crisis, 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 the whole world's in crisis. And, and then that's what, that's so, so you walk around, your head's like, like, we need a sheikh now, we need him anyway, but like, it's, it's, if we don't, it's impossible what's going on in Klaistro. And then, 
I went to the Sium and I saw all these people who finished Shas, the guy sitting next to me in Barclays Center was 75 years old and he's sitting and he's there with his grandchild and his son and his child and I'm thinking probably his, his son made Sium HaShas. Didn't even look that religious, this person. And, and, and he says, when they said everyone stand up, the 75 year old stood up. I'm like, you finished Shas? He says, yup, first time in my life. I just finished Shas. And it's a shame. I hope to, to be back here in seven and a half years. And the amount of people that finished Shas and the kids that have finished Mishnais. And then we went down to dance and everyone's dancing on the floor, jumping up and down, being misameach, being happy that, not a movie, not a rock star, not some stupidity, but dancing because they're enjoying learning. And I'm like, you go to the park on 18th Street and M, and L, where all the kids are hanging out, and, and they're doing whatever they want, and they got drugs, and they got music, they got whatever they want, and they're not happy. And then you go to see them at Shas, where the kids in the park what, what makes them unhappy is the Gemara and the learning and the Torah and the mitzvahs and all that. They're, they, don't, they, don't, they don't like it. And you see all these kids and all these people who are so happy. And they're not killing time and staying up till 4 o'clock in the morning. They're getting up at 4 o'clock in the morning to sit and learn. And I just saw that, that Torah can make you so happy. And, and, and there were women there. A, a 70-year-old woman sent me a message to thank my brother-in-law, Moshe Elephant, who gives, who's... He's got like 30,000 people watching him every day. He's like the biggest Dafyemi online for the OU. Is my brother, Lomoshi Elephant. And this guy comes over to me and he says that I want you to know that that my my mother, who's 70, is going to see him at Shas because she finished Shas. I'm like, huh? She says she watches Moshi Elephant every day. So I realized that that we're not, we just don't, you don't, you don't, understand the appreciation and you know, okay they finish us but to get up every day and it's so hard and you have to learn like because that's what you're used to in school because you get tests and report cards and they made this Torah into this this subject and that's terrible and there and you think like the, why would I want to do school when I'm 40 70 years old why am I doing school and you see it's not a subject it's life and and I'm there, I go now, every workshop I haven't missed, I go every morning, and I don't go to sleep very early, as most of you know, and I, I, I'm, I'm up at 6 o'clock, and I'm sitting at that, at that daf at 7 o'clock, and there's about 20 guys in our shear, and they're sitting there with their coffees and their teas, and some of them are davening already, some of them are not davening yet, and it's like a chevra, and everyone just smiling. Like, why would you be smiling? Imagine you're going to, imagine, imagine when you went to school, they said, you have to be in school by 7. Because your first subject starts at 7. You'd be, I'm not going to that school. Who starts learning at 7 o'clock in the morning, right? This is voluntary. And that's what we're one shear. And the whole shul is full. There's a bunch of different. So the, the whole shul is full. In the morning at 7 o'clock. No. Rabbi Posen on, on, uh, on Bedford and, 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 Avenue, and Avenue I. But every shul is full. Every shul is full. Everyone's learning. Five o'clock. My brother-in-law, my elephant, shears at five thirty. Full house. Everybody, everybody. So, so it's true that learning Torah. It's true. I saw it. 
I didn't hear about it. I saw it. By the sea of that learning Torah makes you happy. It gives you freedom. It's not a park, smoking pot. That doesn't make you happy. It really doesn't. They're miserable afterwards. There's a, you should never know from drugs. But every drug that gets you high, there's a coming down, crashing. It's very not Not that I experienced it, but it's, from what I hear, it's really not fun. After you guys get drunk the next morning, the headache and the coming down and, 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 and on, on drugs is coming down. After the dots yami in the morning, there's no coming down. It's just the opposite. And you dive in chakras and you start your day and you're like, wow, I, I'm like a machine gun that's loaded with bullets. So today I'm going to share with you a story from the Dafyami this week that has a, that's a very different kind of story. I wouldn't, I wouldn't tell you just a dumb story. And um, it teaches us a very big lesson. You're not going to know the lesson until I finish, but it teaches a very big lesson. So the Gemara is people who are dead know what's going on in the world. Okay, do they know what's going on in the, in the live world? Well, they're in a different world, and they have no idea what's going on in our world. So he says a story like this. Hatanya the story. Echa, the story about this big tzaddik. Okay, he was a very pious, very pious, not pious, pious tzaddik man. Now, it's Erev Rosh Hashanah in the afternoon, okay, Erev Rosh Hashanah, and a guy, and this guy had no money, then a guy came to him for tzedakah. So, Hashanah B'Shnei B'Tzairis, it was, uh, it was the Rosh Hashanah of a year of famine, of hunger, so everybody was very poor and there was very little food, very, very, very little food, and he gave a dinner, which was a lot of money, to this poor man. He didn't have such a good wife. And she threw him out of ass. You gave tzedakah to a poor man when we're hungry? Out! Threw him out of the house. So he had nowhere to sleep. So he went to sleep in the cemetery. Now, when is he going to sleep in the cemetery? For Shoshana at night. Okay, that is a bad sign for what your year is going to be. You got to sleep in a cemetery the night of Rosh Hashanah. Instead of dipping your apple in the honey, you're laying on the ground next to a dead body, right? It's not a good sign. Uh, you're in big trouble. You, you don't want to start your year that way, right? Okay. And there were these two young girls that died young, and they were buried in the ground, and you heard them talking to each other. Okay, so we see from here. They talk to each other, conversing with each other. So one said to the other, Chavarti, my friend, let's roam the world. The two spirits, let's go roam around the world. Spirits, roam around the world. And let's go to the, there's a curtain in Shemayim, it's called the, the Parga, that's where the Sarei Murei Malchus sent the Kohen Gadol to find out if they're supposed to die. And the Malach from behind there tells... It's called the Pargod. Pei Reish Gimel Vav Dalad. And they said, let's listen. So it seems to be that, that at that curtain, that's where Shemayim talks, talks. And it's brought down many times. that you, that's, that's where you hear what's going on in the world. And they said... I don't know why this is what they wanted to know, but what did they want to listen to? Some gossip, right? What next year, the next year, what bad things are going to come to the world? 
So it's already Rosh Hashanah. It's written. It was Rosh Hashanah night. Let's let's hear, let's listen and see what's going on. So one girl said to the other girl, I can't I can't go with you. I'd love to go with you, check out the news, but I can't go with you. Why? Because I'm buried in a matting of reeds. So this this girl was so poor that she didn't have they didn't put bury her in Tachrichim. Tachrichim a person gets buried, so they're buried in linen shrouds. So one of them was buried in linen shrouds, the other one wasn't. She was buried in, a, in reeds. Very poor, but also doesn't let you decompose. So Urua, when, when the person decom- body decomposes totally, then the neshama can roam. But uh, until the body decomposes, the neshama is in the ground also with the, with the body. So one girl's body decomposed, she was ready to go fly around, check out what's going to happen. The other one was stuck. She couldn't go. She said, I'm sorry, I can't go. Part goes up, part goes, part stays here until the until the body is totally gone. Then the then the then the whole thing goes up. Then the whole ruach goes up. What? The neshama. Well, they bring the neshama from the the world from the next world comes down. But also there is a little teeny piece of the ruach. We're not going to go into this whole thing tonight. That's always there. It's always there. So anyway, machamachamali, come back and and tell me what you hear. Okay, holchahi. She went. And Vishata Uba, she roamed, she, she listened, and she came back. She told her friend, what did you hear? I heard that the crops, the, the things that they're going to plant in the winter, at the time of the first rain, will be destroyed by hail. So it's going to start growing from the rain, and then it's going to be a hailstorm. And the hailstorm, like in Mitzrayim, and the hailstorm is going to destroy everything. There's not going to be any food. Now, this guy was laying in the graveyard, and he heard this. Okay, he said, "I can make a lot of money. I'm not going to plant till after it hails, and I'll be the only field that has food, and I'm going to get a lot of money because nobody else is going to have food." Aha! Halachu, Vizara Shnia. So he waited, and he planted by the second rain. Everyone's crops were destroyed. His was not. He made a cleanup. He made a lot of money. Aha! So let me go back to the graveyard next year, Rosh Hashanah night, and let me hear what, let me get some more information. So the Cheres, Halach the next year, he went to lay down and sleep in the, in the graveyard. And they were talking again. Let's go around the world and hear what's going on. She replied, Didn't I already tell you? I didn't decompose because I'm, I'm not in regular linen shrouds. I can't come with you. So she went, she came back, and she said, what did you hear? He said, She said, I heard that the crops of anyone who plants this winter at the time of the second rain, there's going to be a second rain. People are going to, going to wait because of what happened last year, and there's going to come a dry wind and kill everything. So he said, no problem. He went and he planted. Again, he missed the, the destruction of everything, and he made a lot of money. Now his wife picked up on something here. She said, Two years in a row you got lucky? It seems to be that you know something here. So, so he told her the whole story. And he said, I went to, used to kick me out and I heard the, 
them talking to each other, and I made a lot of money, and I did this twice, but this woman was not a good lady. What happened? Of the girl that was buried in the reeds. Armalah, she told that lady, Lechi, Abarech Bitech, go look at your daughter. I know that your daughter is not buried in linens, but she's buried in reeds. Not nice. Very not nice. So, he didn't know, he didn't know about the fight. So the next year, the third year, Halach the Loma Besakvaris. He goes again to the Besakvaris. This is, he's making, a, he's making a killing. And he hears them talking to each other. So this one goes back to the girl in the reeds and says, let's go, let's go fly around and find out what's going on. My friend, leave me alone. Let me be. The things that we've been talking about for the last two years. Someone's listening in. Because how did, the, how did, the, how did this lady know that I'm buried in reeds? So someone heard that I told you that I was buried in reeds. So the Gemara says, Alma Yadai, apparently the dead knew not what's spoken about the living because she was aware that her mother had been told. Yeah, that's the Gemara, that's the Gemara. Weird, right? You like this Gemara. This is not all the Gemaras like this, but, so this is the story. So why am I telling you the story? It's a little bit gross, right? It's a little bit like, you're going to go home tonight and have nightmares, reads, and, 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 I never said the story before. No. Yes, I'm telling you. Okay. Could be. All right. Could be. Could be. I don't remember ever saying it, but whatever. Okay. I. It would have had to have been seven years ago. Right. So it would have to have been seven years ago. So why am I telling you this story? The reason I'm telling you this story is for one reason. You see from here that the worst thing happened to him. He got thrown out of his house. So. So one second. That's the reward, Hashem. I'm a poor man. It's Erev Rosh Hashanah. A guy comes to me for money. I give him money, and my reward is that my wife throws me out of the house and I end up in a graveyard. But if you have a Muna, you realize that had he not been thrown out of the house and he had not been put in the graveyard, he would have never made the money those two years. You understand? It looks like it's a very bad thing that happened to him. It was a very good thing that happened to him. It made him very, very wealthy. Until his wife decided to do what she did. But it made him very, very wealthy. So a person has, sometimes it looks like you do the right thing, but it ends up backfiring in a very big way. Okay, let's go to Pasha's Era. What am I looking for? The medrash. Let's learn this medrash about the medrash. It's a medrash. Pashas v'era. Where are you? It was, it was Paro's birthday. And all, 
all the kings of the world came and visited him. Right? It was his birthday. Everyone brought him a crown, a present. Everyone brought him something. Moshe and Aaron were standing by the doorway of Paro. So Paro's servants came to him. There are two old men standing by the door. Amalahem, Paro said to his servants, Yesh um, Are there are there, are they carrying, are they carrying crowns? Amulah, love. No, these two people don't have crowns. Amulahem, Bachwani Yukonsu. So don't let them come first, let them come last. Nimtsu Oimdun Lufne Paro. So now, Moshe and Aaron are standing in front of Paro. Amulahem, Bajwan. Amulah, so the Moshe and Aaron say to Paro, Elohim, Ivrim Shulchani Alecha. The God of the Jews sent us to you. Lemar, Shalakas Ami Leavduni, send out my nation and let them serve me. Amalahem, Who's this God that you're talking about, Moshe? I don't, we don't, I, Paro's like, I don't know these, I don't know what you're talking about. And this God that you're, you're speaking about didn't, didn't send me a, a, a crown? You come here empty-handed? You're coming just with words? Well, you got this Hashem. I don't, I don't know, I don't know your God. I'm Rav Levi. I'm Rav Levi. So at that moment, you all, you all learned this as kids. Paro took out his list of gods. His He began to read. Elokei Adom. Elokei Moav. Elokei Tzidom. Luchen Kulam. Amalehem. I went through all my names, I went through everything, and I don't see your God. So I'm not letting, in, I'm not letting your Jews out. I'm a Rav Levi, that had a, a stupid Eved, Yatsa Koyen Chutz Medina, the coin left, Halacha Eved, Levagis Rabbi Beitzakvaros, a coin is not allowed to go into a graveyard, and this, this Eved is looking for his his master, the Kohen, in the graveyard. The people that are standing there, they said, what are you doing? He's not. You're not going to find him in the graveyard. He, he's a Kohen. Of course he's not going to be here. A Malay Shaita, who never saw a Kohen in the Beis Akvaras. So that's what Moshe Aaron said to Paro. You're an idiot. You're looking at your gods. Mesim Haim, they're all dead. Abel Hashem, Elikim Emes. Hashem is the true God. Hu Elohim Chaim, Elohim Amalai Paro, Paro really did he really didn't know. Bacharhu, is he is your is your God a young guy? Zakinhu, is he an old man? Kamish Noisav, how old is he? Kamayawas Lochai. How many cities did he capture? Kama Medina's Kavash, how many countries did he capture? Kamashanim Yeshlay, how old is he? Miyom Sha'ulamachus, how many years is he king? So they answered him back, Mashugana. He 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 was here from the beginning of the world, and he's here to the end of the world. And, and he, he's, he, he, and he goes through the whole thing. He brings up the stars and the moon. The sun comes up, the sun goes down. He, 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 he makes clouds. He brings rain. He brings plants. He, he creates children in their mother's womb. So Paro said, you're a bunch of liars. 
Shani hu adon ha'olam. I am the master of the world. Vani barasi atzmi es nilus, and I created the Nile River. We'll see soon about what Moshe Rabbeinu did about that. So he gathered all the, the, the wise people of Mitzrayim. Did you ever hear of this this God? We heard that God is the child of Chachamim. He's the child of the old kings. Hashem said to them, you called yourselves Chachamim. Believe Ben Chachamim. And me, you call Ben Chachamim. I'm going to teach you all a very big lesson. And that's when Hashem said, I'm going to destroy them. Now, going back to what we were saying before, in Pashas Be'era, so Hashem said to Moshe Rabbeinu the following. So we left off at the, at last, at the last parasha, that, that Moshe Rabbeinu said to Hashem, like, why do you do this to Klai Yisrael? And, and, and you didn't save them, and you didn't help them, and you made it worse. So in the beginning of the era, Hashem says the following. Ve'era el Avram el Yitzhak el Yaakov. I didn't have to do this, what I'm doing with you. I didn't have to do with Avram, Yitzhak, and Yaakov. Because my name to them was not Ani Hashem, Yitke, but Bekeel Shakai. Shakai is spelled Shin, Dalad, Yud. Ushmi Hashem I didn't, I didn't have to prove myself to them. Shakai means Shedai. It's enough. So Baruch Hu said, to them I didn't have to prove anything. To you, and I kept my word. And I hear the cries of the Bnei Yisrael. So his Musr, his Musr to, to Moshe Rabbeinu was, that Moshe Rabbeinu was complaining that Hashem, you're not, you're not, you're not rachamim. You're not, you're not pitiful. You're not, you're not, you're not being rachamim to Klai Yisrael. You're din. You're totally din. They, they, I, I came to them and you made it worse. So I don't understand. And Hashem said back to Moshe Rabbeinu, I never had to do this with Avram Yisrael and Yaakov. I never had to prove myself. I don't have to prove myself. But. Being that you're coming to me to help Klai Yisrael when they're, when they're crying to me and they're in pain. So even though I never had to prove myself before, now I'm going to, I'm going to prove myself. And I heard this week, where is this Medrash? Medrash Rabba. Power of Tila. Power of the names in your sitter, Ruth. Power of Tila. It's something unbelievable. So Hashem, command, Hashem commanded Moshe um, Rabbeinu to get up early in the morning. Hashkem Baboke is Yatsev with Meipar. This is what you should say. You should, everyone should say this over the showers. It's very important. Hashkem Baboke is Yatsev with Meipar. Get up early in the morning. Early in the morning. Hashkem Baboke and and go to Paro. So everyone asks, what's this early in the morning bit? This is the era. And it's Perik Yud Aleph. Okay? So he said you have to get up early in the morning to, 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 to speak to Paro. Why early in the morning? 
No, so so that's how we all learned that he went to the bathroom. He he said he was God, but that way you'll get there before he goes to the bathroom because he said he didn't have to go to the bathroom. He said something else over here that's amazing, amazing. Where did I mark it off? Here. We kind of because Baruch Hu Shehu Beichin Levavo, if Hashem knows a person's hearts, Amalei LeMoshe. Have a Yudeisha Rosh as a Kach Mechashim Liva. That he he wants to get up early in the morning and daven. Okay, and if he gets to daven before you get to him, I might be makabo his tefila. I'm trying to read it to you from inside here. La'achas Hakadosh Baruch Hu Metzapel Rishon Shiasin Tshuva. Hashem was always waiting. For Risham to do tshuva, believe Shalom. So Hashem said, "You better get there before he davens to me, because if he davens to me, shari tshuva v'atfila, right? Then, then it's possible that he'll do tshuva, and then I'll forgive him. And he killed all these Jews, and he did all this bad stuff, and and and, and I'm going to forgive him. And if I forgive him, we won't be able to do all the makos. So, so we see from here, he killed three hundred. Children a day, he, he, he bathed in their blood. 300 children a day. That's without the ones that were thrown into the Nile River. This guy was the biggest lowlife, Russia, murderer, killer, right? And Ashray had three markers. So we're going into the fourth market, which was, which was, uh, right? So he might, by our already, he might do tshuva. Because he already went through three bad markers. I'm telling you right now, that if he dominates to me, I might accept his tefillah. So you need to be there before he davens and make sure he doesn't daven. So the the Musa Haskell for us is a murderer. A murderer. 300 kids a day bathing in their blood. A murderer, a killer. The head killing Jews, enslaving us. Has the koyach. After doing all that, then Hashem says to my Shabbat, you better get there before him, before the seeking. But if he davens, this Russia davens, I might forgive him. Al-Achaz Kama Bakama, the power of a Jewish person who doesn't kill 300 kids a day, who's, who, who, a Jew, the power of Tvila of a Jewish person, this, get, you better daven before he davens. Because if you don't daven before he davens, I might accept his Tvila, the power that every single Jew has in Tvila. Amazing. It's an amazing Medrashamba. We don't know, we don't understand, we don't understand our own power of tshuva. This is paro. Paro with tshuva, and paro with tshuva, Hashem accepts tshuva, there's no more, there's no more makas. And I don't know where the Jews are going out of a time, I don't know what's going to happen. So that's a very important lesson for all of us. And, and the lesson of tonight, I, ha- I have to, I have, a, I have to go to a wedding tonight, so I have to leave a little early, and I came late. The, the lesson, the lesson of tonight, especially from this Gemara, everybody is, and, and that was the Musa that Akash Bokh was saying. Akash Bokh said, I went to Avram. Avram struggled. And Yitzchak struggled. And Yaakov struggled. And the only name I gave them was Shakai on the mezuzah. Shaddai. It's enough. And they accepted it. They didn't say, I need to see Rachamim. Like, why aren't you coming through? What's going on? They were very happy. And he said, you're the first one, Moshe Beno, to ask me questions. But the reason Hashem was patient with him and didn't punish him for the way he spoke because everything that Moshe wanted was for Klai Yisrael. It wasn't about him. 
He was asking that questions about, well, you sent me and it didn't come true. Like, what, how could you do this to me? No, that's not what was going on over here. His, 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 his whole problem, his whole situation was, 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 was with, with, with Kleistrom. So we see from the story from the Gemara that I can't even imagine, I'm a client, I could never do it, but I, I can't imagine getting thrown out of the house and, and because I gave tzedakah, and, and, and you know, you, you have nowhere to sleep, and, and, and you're going into a graveyard, and you're like, Hashem, I don't get it. I don't get it. It's Erev Rosh Hashanah, I gave a guy tzedakah, you're putting me in a graveyard? He didn't know that he's going to hear, and they're going to hear the ruach, and he's going to find out about the money, and what he, he didn't know that was going to happen. So, like, his whole thought process, sleeping in a graveyard, and the answer is, sleeping in a graveyard could be good. Don't try it. But even in, in the story in the Gemara, we see that it came out, it could even, even the worst thing was a Shadar night. I would have thought, if that Rosh Hashanah night, that's a simon that you're not going to live that year. If you sleep in the graveyard Rosh Hashanah night, you're not living that year. I mean, that's what I would think, right? And Hashem, no, Hashem's like, no, I'm sending you to the graveyard, because that's what you're going to hear. How, because, why? Midah Kenegi Midah. You didn't have money. Because it was a year of hunger, listen to the Midah Kenegi Midah in this Gemara. You didn't have money, because it was a year of hunger. And you gave this guy your last penny. So now, in the next two years of hunger, you're going to be the only one that has money. And how's that going to happen? Your wife's going to throw you out, you're going to end up in a graveyard. And that's what Hashem was trying to tell Moshe Rabbeinu. I didn't have to show them Rachamim. They knew that whatever I did was for the good. You are asking questions. My name should be Shakai. Shaddai, it's enough. Whatever Hashem does, I trust you, it's enough. It's going to be okay. That's that's the message tonight. She should all be much sliach, and we should see the real geula. You've just experienced another Torah class brought to you by TorahAnytime.com.